Sarah, I understand you have another tale from your box. I have, this week I have more of an observation from my box. I don't think that has quite the same ring to it. <laughs> Observations from my I just don't want people to get too excited and it doesn't involve vagina news. So. That is, you know, we do risk people getting too excited. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, this is just straight up a CrossFit observation. Okay. Okay. So I, I'm doing another little competition after the open. I, I realized that I get more out of myself when I'm under competitive circumstances, actually kind of funny, like more than the other people around me, I will like, for some reason, if you say I'm in a competition, even if I'm competing for last place, I will do better under those circumstances. So I'm just wondering like if you're the same or if that's because I was an elite athlete or. Yeah. I mean, to me, this is not an observation. This is an obvious statement. This is like no shit, but I think that's because we both, I mean, you're a former pro athlete, Sarah, like you're a racer, like you're going to always have that in you. You're not one of the people I'm just assuming because you don't become like a pro athlete by being one of the people who's a better trainer than racer. You know, the people who are like better on a weekend random ride than they are in a race. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a lot of those people. Yeah. I don't, you're not one of the people I used to not be one of those people these days who fucking knows, but I think that's like fundamentally you are a racer. Yeah. And I think that's a line that I've crossed recently with CrossFit. So I used to just, it was just fun. And I used to show up there and just go as hard as I can and do the workout. And then I just go home. right? And now I feel a little bit more like I'm training to be better at CrossFit. Like I like learning some of the gymnastics movements and doing a progression or like actually trying to get stronger in some kind of progressive way, which is like constitutes training rather than random exercising. So that's a line that I have crossed, but it is better. Like, I think if I was going to, if, if I was going to give some advice to our audience right now. Okay. okay. That's really my, why they listen really for right. Sarah's advice. Uh, clearly from my observation from my box is that like, no matter who you are, because when I was a pro athlete, of course the rewards are different, right? So when you're training to race as a pro athlete, that's obvious, right? Mm-hmm. But now I'm training to be better at CrossFit, but I'm not ever going to be great at CrossFit. And it's still really, really fun. So like always train to be better and don't give it away until, until the showdown. Okay. <laughs> That's my advice. I know Good. they're loving it. Good. Okay. Coming up on the show, we have our big feisty Patreon launch. Is it better to travel to races solo or in a group? We have a listener question about turning pro and a voicemail from Kelly's mom. Kelly, I finally got my shipment of noon up here in Canada, and I am so excited. The last couple days, I've been going to CrossFit with Noon Hydration Sport watermelon flavor, and I have been loving it so far. But I want to know from you, what product should I try next? Okay, so you're trying the tablet. So the Sport tablet is the one you drop in your water bottle. They also have an immunity tablet for you know when you're feeling sick that you can drop in your water bottle. And I've been trying the, or been using the Noon Rest which is for recovery and relaxation. It's like chamomile flavored. It has magnesium and potassium in it. Uh, you like drink it before you go to bed. Helps you recover well. You sleep great. It's fantastic. Okay, awesome. I'm totally going to try that tonight. Okay, if anyone at home wants to try, go to noonlife.com and use the code IRONWOMEN and you get 30% off. So Iron Women is our sister podcast. Noonlife, N-U-U-N, life.com. Give it a try. Live Feisties If We Were Riding is brought to you by Ass Kicker Inc. 
Ass Kicker makes activewear for women, featuring empowering phrases like work hard, play hard, kick ass, or strong women lift each other up. Ass Kicker Inc. also makes our fabulous Live Feisty tank tops, t-shirts, hoodies, and leggings. So to order yours, go to livefeisty.com and just choose shop from the menu. And of course, use the code RIDING to save 20%. That's RIDING, as in if we were, at livefeisty.com. And remember, I before E, except if you're feisty. I'm Kelly O'Mara. And I'm Sarah Gross. And you're listening to Live Feisty's If We Were Riding. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race in the to do this. Show you what the truth is. I step on the field. It's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. But Kelly, this week... This week, today, we're recording on Wednesday. The podcast comes out on Friday. But today, Wednesday, you announced the launch of our Patreon in the newsletter. Right. And so do you want to explain what a Patreon is? I realized I said this to some people. I was like, oh, we're launching a Patreon. And I knew what it was. And you knew what it was. But maybe people don't know what that is. Okay. So Patreon is kind of like it's a crowdfunding for content creators, basically. So a lot of like musicians on there, people who do YouTube videos or create podcasts or newsletters, (laughs) right? well, this is how they do crowdfunding typically. And that is that you allow your community to support you monthly. So instead of like other kind of crowdfunding where people might give a few hundred dollars all at once, right? It's like a monthly way to join the community. And then you get rewards back when you join the community. So we have a bunch of different levels you can you could join us. On. Perks. We have perks. I mean, essentially the idea is to create subscriptions without having to be like a big company that has a subscription center and like ads it, right? You, like it takes out the need to have, you know, a publisher or for musicians, you know, uh, a recording studio, like you can in essence do it yourself. I mean, I think that like all of crowdfunding started with that idea to like democratize content and creation, et cetera. Right. Right. So all of this is to say that if you love what we're doing on this podcast, on the Iron Women podcast, on what Kelly does with the newsletter or if, and if you want Live Feisty to grow and you want to help us grow. Right. And we, we have ideas. Do that. Yeah. We have ideas for new stuff. We have but, ideas and we want to hear your ideas if you true. join our Patreon community. Um, which I'm sure will include a link in the show notes. They even, I mean, crowdfunding so big now. There's even a UCI race that's trying to like crowdfund enough money to bring a women's race back to uh, Minnesota, to the U.S. So Wow. How's that going? They need $200,000. We don't need $200,000, just so everybody knows. <laughs> we don't need $200,000. <laughs> but if we get $200,000, we will make a good use of it. So <laughs> to donate your $200,000. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But if you do want to um, support us, you go to patreon.com. So it's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. So it's like patron with an E. Dot wow. com forward slash live feisty and you will find us. There you go. So Kelly, we're going to talk about traveling to races as you have just come back from a two race trip. I did come back from a two race trip and I like went on my own, but they both ended up being like pretty squad heavy, pretty like rolling deep, you know, with a whole entourage. You so, ended up rolling with an entourage in Peru. How's oh that my God. We had two cars with private drivers. <laughs> like, yes, it was. An, so I think, um, I mean, I think partially triathlons a community and everyone chips in and everybody knows each other. And I went to Peru by myself 
and like solo race travel can be intimidating. And I think we can talk about that in a second. Like how do you travel to race solo, especially in a foreign country? And so you end up reaching out to people, you know, people that you might not even be like really close with, like friends of friends or people. And then you kind of like bond together because you all don't know how to get to the race start or in Lima this weekend the problem was you couldn't ride in the streets so there was like one trainer that we were passing around so everybody (laughs) could ride in the hotel so you kind of like help each other out but it also can be a lot like this you know in the towards the end of the trip in Lima like after the race we were rolling deep uh with you know friends and friends of those friends and then people we you had met and like this huge and then we all had to go to the post-race party in someone's penthouse with like an affinity pool overlooking the city and like a bar so like of course naturally Juan we didn't even they're like hey private driver take us to Juan's house and so it can all start to be obviously when you have like a really big group also you know intense like a little much like when you're I don't like going to races when you have you know your entire family in tow because then you have to start weighing all of their needs and like who so needs to take this. care of everybody. Yeah. Oh my God. I can't do that. Like I can't like when, when multiple family members start coming along to races, I start to be like a little like, Whoa, like if it's more I than two. I often suggest that family come like for a Sunday race, they come like Saturday late afternoon, say, right. You can have dinner with them just the night before the race. And then you can do the, all your catching up after the race. That's, that's my personal family. Uh, tip okay i was gonna say so what are your do you prefer racing solo or bringing people with you like do you always bring people with you do you always race solo what are your tips especially people i think are heavily intimidated by racing solo i mean one if they haven't done it before but two in in foreign countries like it it can seem like really intimidating if you don't speak the language (laughs) you're like going by yourself to another country, like what happens? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I was going to say straight off the bat, depends where you're going. <laughs> right. right. So some of my favorite trips were traveling to Ironman Brazil with a big, with Ken Glaw's group who everybody travels with to Ironman Brazil. Uh, right? Interesting. So we'd all be staying in the same hotel and you'd see all your friends at mealtimes and we'd have a happy medium because I wouldn't be rolling around the city all day <laughs> with a driver with all the same people. But, you know, you'd, you'd have a lot of people when you needed them or you'd have people to swim, swim with. So you weren't swimming in the ocean alone and stuff like that. That's also always good. Yes. Yeah. Then there's yes. also like pre motherhood, post motherhood for me. So some of my other favorite times were post motherhood races in the U S that I went to alone. Mm. So suddenly you're used to this, you know, you're training, you're taking care of a kid, maybe working. I always did coaching work, this like crazy life. And then suddenly I'm on a plane by myself with no child. Don't have to talk to anyone for four days. I mean, these were these are amazing trips when you're a mom, right? <laughs> um, but it, it yeah, I, I prefer, I actually prefer like a happy medium. I think okay. I can handle it. Like having people that I know at a race, but like, I like to go to my own bed at night and not have a hotel room full of people. Yeah, for sure. I think I read a stat somewhere, one of those articles about like how much money, you know, Ironman Canada had brought to Whistler. And it said the average person doing Ironman Canada brought seven people with them. Holy I know. And I was like, well, shit, I am bringing down the average. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I feel like I usually like my biggest preference is rolling with like one person, which is usually my husband or I've uh, commissioned my mom, as you have met or dad to come with me to especially to Ironmans. I feel like I'm totally fine racing half Ironmans by myself, but Ironmans, I so often, uh, I'm like med tented for like hours after that. It's just the prospect of dealing that with your, by yourself is a little 
That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And a full Iron Man, it's nice to have support. I think it says a know thyself kind of situation. Right. So it really doesn't matter what I prefer or you prefer. But if you're someone who loves to roll solo and take care of yourself and you end up at on the race start feeling refreshed because of that, then do that. And if you love to be surrounded by people, then do that. And in anywhere in between, I guess. It's also really nice to know that like triathlon is a community. Like I showed up in Peru by myself, but then when I, you know, realized I couldn't bike outside friend of friend found a train, right? Like people connected. And when I was like, Oh shit, I showed up at the beach by myself the first day, the next day, you know, we like someone got us a dry rider ride over there with a driver. We were able to leave our stuff with it. Right. So it is nice that it's a community and you, you can pretty much always find somebody to help you out. Almost always. Yeah, that's true. Especially after you've been in triathlon for a few years. Right. And if you haven't, just go like talk to somebody. They're probably fun. They're probably friendly. Yeah. Right. That's true. Okay. So I understand we had a question from a listener. Yeah. So somebody emailed in and wanted to know, and this is something we've talked about before, but maybe we just like haven't talked about it explicitly. They've noticed that there is a large group of women that are kind of, I don't know what you'd call them, elite amateurs, sub pro, right? And that large group of women kind of spans the bottom of the pro field, top of the age group field, probably there are more of them that race age, whatever, however you wanted to fight it. We like, they aren't the top, top pros, but there's like this group and she, and we've talked about that before. And she wanted to know what is, you know, should they race pro or should they race age group when they're kind of like in that in between what's better for them as the athlete individually, what's better for the sport. And like, what are the consequences of each, like of deciding to race pro versus race age group when you're kind of in that you're not at the top of the profile. You're like in the middle, right? You're like the in-between. Wow. That's a, that's a, those are big questions. Okay. I'll tackle part of it. Well, let's okay. piece this apart here. Okay. Okay. So whether it's ready, better for the individual or, or the better for the sport, I forget how that part was phrased, but I think it's better for the sport to go pro. Yes. Um, I think we have made that argument. Why don't you go ahead and make it again for our new listeners? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, for the, I mean, there's so many, there's so many hurdles for the pro women, including cultural ones and more men are likely to step up and get their pro card. And then that, and the fact that there's not as many women are the reasons why we don't have equal numbers in Kona, according to Iron Man. And also if you do step up, then you kind of end up by yourself kind of at the back of the pro race and there's not other people around you. Whereas that same level in the men's race, there's a bunch of guys back there. Right. So it's better for the sport. It's literally would be better for all of those people if they all upgraded to they pro. All, if they if all upgraded yeah. to pro, then you would have everyone together. You would have a race. You would like then probably improve because you would have other people pushing you and be with each other. And then like the pro field overall would improve. And also you would stop fucking sandbagging, right? Let's be real. And like, so those age groupers who are never going to be able to be on the podium because you were like taking up those spaces are going to be able to move up and like see, like not get discouraged go to Kona eventually or, or 70.3 worlds, et cetera. So it's better for the sport for people to like move up, move up. Okay. Yes. And I, I'm going to give my advice for the individuals. You ready? Okay. And then okay. you can give yours. Okay. okay. <laughs> so I think if you're, if you're someone who, if you've never won your age group, like your podium, you're getting on the podium in your age group, right? I think it's like a great idea to try to win your age group. Sure. Okay? Like go out there and try to prove to yourself that you can be, the best in your age group at something big, like in an, in an Ironman race, in a big race or at Kona, something like that. And then after that, the next challenge clearly is to go pro. If you're in a certain age category, if you're in right? a, yeah, if you're at that point, right. Age. Yeah. If you're maybe like 35 or under, 
let's just mm-hmm. say. Although there are pros who have gone pro Older, later than yes. that, it's not impossible and still been highly successful. So I'm not, don't take that as a limitation. But I think that like the next, the next challenge then on a personal level would become to, to try to race in the pro field. So yeah. I would think like always be trying to climb a ladder. Don't just keep like winning your age group over and over again. And like Kelly said, sandbagging. I think what I think one of the big problems for women besides like society problems, because we can't fix those is that people see those two things at odds that people see what is good for the, it's like a tragedy, the common problem. People see what is good for the individual in this instance as different than what is good for the sport. Cause I think over and over, I hear this argument. People are like, well, individually, if I move up, it's going to be shitty for me, right? I'm going to be by myself. I'm not going to like get to go to Kona anymore. I'm not going to be winning my age group. I'm going to be like, 10th or 11th or 12th instead of first or second or third. And that's going to like psychologically, like psychologically it messes with you, right? Like I've done it. I've been out there. It's a lot easier to like find some extra motivation when you're racing for your age group win than when you're racing for ninth place, right? Like that's true. So I think, but so everybody tells themselves that these two things are at odds, that they need to make the right choice. Like the thing that's best for them individually, like too bad for the sport. But I think like, as you're saying, well, as we've said, one, if everybody made the right choice, like it would be better for it. But two, as you're saying there, I think they're viewing it wrong, right? They're like viewing it not as like another challenge, the next step in a series of challenges, because aren't you doing the sport anyway, because to challenge yourself, not to like keep doing a thing you've already done. That's the whole reason we're here anyway. Right. Otherwise. Well, totally. Okay. Am I the only person also in the world who, who sees the difference between racing age group and racing pro, especially if you're at a certain level? as being like going into the real race. Like, and what yeah. I mean by that, yeah. and I, I know people are going to be insulted, like sorry, age groupers, but like the real race for the win of the whole race, right? Like that's where yeah, the yeah. real race is. Like winning the race is like, if you're the first woman or man across the line, that's winning the race. And to be in that race, then you need to join the real race, which is the pro race. And right. So right. And you can't, I know it's like a time trial and everything, but you can't say, oh, I would have been eighth or seventh or fifth if you're in the age group race. Like it's a different fucking race. You weren't there. Like there are different rules. There are hundred percent different rules. There are different tactics. Like if you want to be in the race, you got to be in the race. Like that's how it works. To me, there's an appeal to that. Yeah. Right. About just being in the, if you, you go in the real race and you come 12th, you're like, okay, I was 12th clean, clean 12th, not 12th with an asterisk or not first. Oh, but in my age group, no, you know, no, no. there's no buts and ands. There's just, there's just straight up your results. And there's something appealing about that to me personally. Okay. I am going to tell you though, uh, as someone who's been like struggling a little, I understand how it can get like demoralizing out there when you're like, Oh, I'm at, I'm like having a shit race and I'm at the back of the pro field, as opposed to being at the front of the age group field. And you have to just like tell yourself, you know, well, at least I'm in the fucking race. At right? least I'm in the race. Those <laughs> Stupid age groupers, they're not in there. <laughs> okay, I'm just joking, people. Yeah, just no, joking. Yeah. Don't email me about that. <laughs> um, so anyway, I know it's like this ongoing debate. I think our position has been very clear in the past. I also understand that people go back and forth because there is this huge like contingent of women right now that kind of spans that it's you know, it, and it's like this huge debate because it is an issue because it does have like reverberating consequences throughout the sport and other people's races and other age groups. And, you know, so just, just move up. We're nice. Exactly. Like just come race with us. It's fine. Know. It's so fun yeah. over here. You, you get to help the sport and be in the real race. <laughs> Boom. Um, okay. After the break, now we have a voicemail from Kelly's mom. I'm so excited about it. 
We would like to thank Noon Hydration for supporting the podcast. Get 30% off your order by using the code IRONWOMEN at noonlife.com. That's IRONWOMEN at noonlife.com. And don't forget to order your feisty gear at livefeisty.com with the code RIDING to get a 20% discount. Follow at If We Were Riding on all the social medias and leave us a review on iTunes. Also, tell your actual friends in person how awesome we are, because that works too. If We Were Riding is a Live Feisty Media production and is hosted by Kelly O'Mara and me, Sarah Gross. Our marvelous editor is Aaron Hamilton. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race in the top. I'm ready to do this, show you what the truth is. I step on the field, it's time to get real, and I'm feeling so ruthless. So life's not fair. I think we all know that. Life's not. It's not fair. There are a lot of things about life that are not fair. But it does remind me of a conversation I had when I used to teach daycare in Florida. Um, It was one of those hot 100-degree days, and the kids are running around in the sprinklers and the water hoses, and the boys take their shirts off. Now, these are two- and three-year-old kids. So the girls asked if they could take their shirts off, and I said, sure. We're all playing in the sprinklers and getting soaked. Take your shirts off. And the director of the daycare center uh, called me into his office to tell me that the girls had to have their shirts on. And I said, well, the boys should have their shirts on too then because they're two, and this is not a big deal. And he said, well, you know, that's just not the way things are. And I said, well, that's not fair. And he said, well, you know, life's not fair. And I said, well, you have an obligation as the adult in this situation to not make life more unfair. And, you know, he didn't like that very much. That did not go well. Anyway, I think Sarah's right. We do have an obligation to work toward fairness. But I do think Kelly's right. Life's not fair. It's not ever going to be. But we're going to be moral adults in the room. We have to do what we can not to make it more unfair. So I would like to clarify that I remember this incident because I did. I went to daycare where my mom was a teacher, which (laughs) someday she should tell us the story about why she taught at my daycare after she got fired (laughs) from the high school where she taught for taking a moral stand. And oh my she's God, right. I totally want to hear that. <laughs> she want to hear that story. And she's right that it like started with two and three year olds, but it like escalated. And there was like, cause I was in first or second grade and there was like all kinds of kids running around without shirts on. And it became like this whole big thing. I remember like the older kids, cause we were the older kids. Cause we were in school, you know, cause we were in first right, grade. So like after school care kind of right, situation. Right. For and older so the kids. older okay. kids were all like, Oh my God. And it became like a whole, a whole thing. So but this was also in Florida. I would like to be very clear. So right. it was so a maybe a little thing. conservative environment <laughs> happening yes. too. Um, like I can see where it becomes, I can see if you run a daycare where it becomes an issue, if all the kids up to like fifth grade, sixth grade start removing their shirts. Well, it wasn't all, but you know what I'm saying? It was, it went beyond the two-year-olds. It quickly right. spread. Like, right. <laughs> like I can understand, but at the same time, like in terms of like the philosophical point of view, like really... <laughs> fair should be fair like i'm with i like how your mom at the end of that made points of how she agrees with both of us it's amazing <laughs> so since since i'm the person who's always trying to strive for fairness <laughs> of the two of us 
I'm the fair one, Kelly. You're the fair one, right? That's that's. I think that people should be able to just take off. I mean, anyone. Just like if it's a, it's a, if it's okay for one person, it's okay for another. So you can take. Off I mean, your I shirt think like want. legally, technically, I've lived in lots of towns like in California where like you're allowed to. Right? There's not like a, like in Berkeley. There's you're allowed to, but people still don't obviously because social norms. Right. Because social norms, that's the reason. But people should be allowed to. In in Ontario, there was a law that passed while I was in university that you could, um, that women could go topless. In all fairness, most guys don't really go topless around like the streets either because it'd be kind of weird too because it'd be weird. So, right. Right. Fair is fair. Okay. And before (laughs) we go, support us on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash live feisty. My town, my crown. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We know what it takes to be reaching the top.